This conversation was recorded on December 5th, 2015. This question is so prepared that you're going to be impressed. I see. Actually, I have it written down. You've actually written the question down? Yeah. That's going to be a tough one, too. Well, I hope I don't have to write out the answer. That'd be like a punishment after school. Let's see how you answer it, and then we'll see if you need punishment or not. I think okay. this Fair could enough. be a long show. Okay. Three verses. Different. Three, three verses. Three different verses. Yeah. Relatedly different. Okay. So I'm just going to read the question to you because it's so well written. This is your own question. Yeah, it's mine. Um, but well thought out. If you do say so yourself. <laughs> it's coming off of a recent uh, thing you said from the pulpit. You're going to pick on me for what I've said. Mm, we'll see. It's a, the question is thus. The preterists... Preterists. The preterists believe the Lord returned in 70 A.D., she does. Their key verses to support this belief are Matthew ten twenty three, Matthew sixteen twenty eight, and Luke nine twenty seven. Those are their own stated verse references, proof texts, so to speak. The question is, how should we understand these verses? Well, is there a reason? Uh, Talk about each. Is there a reason we shouldn't start with Matthew sixteen? Nope. Okay. Well, let's start with Matthew sixteen. Okay. Matthew 16, verse 28. And feel free to zoom out for context. As I just have single verses here, but... Yeah. Well, uh, we, we do need to... We do need, do need to take it into context, which means that... Um, first, we'll remind our readers and listeners that Scripture, like the, the Gospel of Matthew, where we are, that's a unique piece but chapters and verses are men's devices to be able to allow for random access. Right. They're very good devices, but to allow us to randomly access the Yeah, like I can book. say Matthew sixteen twenty eight, and we both can go exactly to that can spot. Go directly to it. Mm-hmm. Why are you reminding us of that? Because we realize that the passage doesn't necessarily start at twenty eight, nor does it necessarily end Right. And that the chapter division can be totally artificial, which in this case it is. So because that's why we're going to seventeen starts right. That's after why this. we're going to make that point. We're just going to read, starting with Matthew sixteen twenty eight, and we're going to read right down through seventeen, uh, verse three. All right, so I'll we're going to read those four verses. I'll read it for you. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment as wh- was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. There you go. Okay. All right, so there, here we have it. Uh, Jesus uh, comes out, uh, out to tell them about his coming. Mm-hmm. And he tells them, assuredly, I say to you, some of you standing here, not all of you standing here. There be some standing here. There be some standing here, which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Right. After six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, brings them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. 
Right. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with him. So now here's three of them, Peter, James, and John, some of those who were standing here. Now let me first take away the thunder of the preterist. Because what the preterist wants to tell you is this, he came in 70 AD, and some were standing there. Well, who were the some that stand, were standing in 70 AD? Was it Peter? Probably not. No. Was it James? Certainly not. Definitely not James. He was murdered. Definitely not James. Mm-hmm. Not Peter by any, even a preterist doesn't think it's Peter. Mm-hmm. Just John. Anybody else? Say, well, maybe somebody else was there. That, You're right. Well, why wouldn't we know who they are? Why wouldn't we know? Why would he just leave out who it was going to be? And he didn't say one of you standing here. No. But in fact, what happened, the three that saw him coming in his kingdom were Peter, James, and John. And how did they see it? They saw it at the Mount of Transfiguration. And this Mount of Transfiguration is not a small incident in Scripture, nor was it a small influence on the, on the apostles that we, that we read from being John and Peter. Both of them reference, we beheld his glory, for example, the glory right. of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. We heard a voice from the most excellent glory. Is that what Peter says? Yes. Both of these apostles made such a great impression on them that it's reiterated in their gospel accounts this account of the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus where he appears with Moses and Elijah. They saw him coming in his kingdom. Uh, because look what they said. Verse 4 of Matthew 17, Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you will, let us make here three tabernacles. What's Peter thinking? Why would he say, it's good for us to be here, let's put up some tents? Yeah, it seems like the uh, Feast of Rest or the Feast of Tabernacles or something. He thinks it's Sukkoth. He thinks it's, a, it's it, here he is, he's in his king, coming in his kingdom, let's put up the tabernacles. Yeah. It's, this is the Feast of Booths. Here well, it is. No doubt. It's Sukkot. Yeah. Ah, he's all excited. Of course, then he hears the voice, right? Too. <laughs> huh? He's also afraid. He's afraid and excited, and he, you know, doesn't know what. It, you know, let's put up the tabernacles because it's you're coming in your kingdom. Which, by the way, is the feast of Sukkot, is the coming in glory, the Lord Jesus coming in glory. But it's not really him coming in; it's coming, right? Well, it I is mean, for the moment. I mean, it's not as if the Lord said, all right, set up the booths. No, he stopped short of that, right? In fact, he said nothing. While he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Behold, a voice out of the cloud that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear you him. And when the disciples heard, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, arise, be not afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. So they had, they saw him coming in his kingdom. It was a momentary, brilliant moment that they'll never forget, made an indelible impression. Mm-hmm. But of course, the time was not yet for why the fulfillment of it. 
why? Like, why did they show them this? They needed to see it. No doubt it made a huge impact on them. It did make a huge impact on them, and it fulfilled exactly what he said in the 28th verse of Matthew 16. Hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to the, another one of these three verses. This one seems like it's... That was too easy. ...pretty clearly the Mount of Transfiguration. What do, you, what do you fancy, Luke 9 or Matthew 10? Well, let's take Matthew 10. Might as well stay in the book of Matthew. To me, that was very clear from the time I... I had I have first seen that, which has been, of course, many, many years ago now. Here he says in Matthew 10, verse 23, well, let's, let's go to verse, uh, man, verse 19. Oh, it just keeps yeah, going. Yeah, this requires a deep, this requires a deep uh, context. Yeah, let me even go back to, uh, where do you want me to start? Uh, starts 11, actually. Up at 11? Yeah. Okay. And Verse in, 11. Yeah. And into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated for all men, of all men, for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city... Flee ye into another, for verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. So there, at the end, verse 23, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come, is a preterist proof text for the coming of Jesus Christ at 70 AD. Okay, well, <clears throat> to uh, that preterist who has proof, I want to know what the enduring to the end would mean. The end of what? Until the end of 70 A.D.? Perhaps the until he comes. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. So did it all, everything end in 70? Is that the end? 70 A.D. is the end? Uh, the end for the apostles or for the people he's talking to, maybe? The end of what? The end of their their work or the end of their... He that endures to the end shall be saved. Oh. Yeah. The, the hated, being hated by... Guess the idea there is if you don't enter the end, you won't be saved. I mean, yeah, because they're going to be delivered up, right? Well, brother to brother, father to child, children rise up against their parents. You know, the time of the end, disobedient to parents, is one of those things. You know what else is one of those things at the time of the end? At the time of the end? As it was in the days of Noah, Mm -hmm. as it was in the days of Lot, right? Right. 
Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable, tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Doesn't that sound like the days of Lot to you? Yes. Would 70 AD be the days of Lot? Well, I mean, wouldn't they say so? Well, how would they say that? Because it's, it was precedes it, was the coming. The, was the city in 70 AD, do we have some evidence that the city was just like completely gone over, all the cities actually gone over into the kind of thing we see in Sodom and Gomorrah? Or isn't that a little bit more like this afternoon? Don't we see that happening more in our time that, for example, the whole entire cities and countries are being over to fornication like we see in Sodom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, what about the days of Noah? Do we see anything in 70 AD like the days of Noah? No, we don't. So we take the overall context. By the way, I don't know why somebody wants to see Jesus returning in 70 AD. I don't quite know. Actually, I think it's because they think Matthew 17 and Matthew 24 are exactly the same. Plus, I mean, and this is a little bit forgivable, they see how evil the Pope has been, although they don't give any room for the Pope in the book of the Revelation. They don't give any room for reforms, reformers either. I, I can't make any sense of preterism that Jesus came back in 70 AD, because, like, what's now? What's the rest of this that we have? But let me, let me explain this verse a little bit better, which I, I don't know why somebody would think it's a proof text of anything, Matthew 10, 23, because we go zoom in on that. You shall not have gone over the cities of Israel, but when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another, for I say unto you, you shall not have gone over all the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. Yeah, that one's strange because, I mean, the gospel went to the entire world. And gospel went to the cities of Israel way before 70 AD. Yeah. Way before. I mean, the gospel went out to the Gentiles well before that. Mm-hmm. Acts 28, 28. So... I don't know how they can actually retract that period of time. The Apostle Paul's conversion, the gospel of the Gentiles. Of course, the gospel had gone all to Israel. It went to the Jew first and also the Gentile. Had gone throughout all of Israel and then beyond before 70 AD. So I don't really see how anybody could look at this as a proof text of that. Well, let me just forgive them for that, but certainly makes no sense to me. What's it mean you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel until the Son of Man become? Does it mean they won't, they will not have gone? Well, who's the question is, who's this to? I mean, it, it can't be to the apostles. Yeah, but that's who he's talking to, right? Oh, well, he's talking to you. Mm, doesn't it when he sends them out, two by two? Uh, these 12 Jesus sent forth, verse 5. Mm-hmm. Go not to the Samaritans. Right, and the Gentiles. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah, so isn't that his immediate audience then, the 12th? It's immediate audience, and of course they did that. Peter opened it up to the Samaritans. but Yeah, I mean, we see things like I'm reading in the book of Acts right now, and we see them. Well, let me just say, if it means what a preterist says it means, then Jesus didn't come back in in, in 70 AD either. He must have come back somewhere around, I don't know, like... 51 A.D. maybe, when they were done going through the cities of Israel and when the gospel went to the, went off to the, uh, mm-hmm. to the Gentiles. Let me get the best date. Let me let me here find the best date we can get 
what we call the usher date of Acts 28, 28 here. I'm looking in my reference Bible. The usher date? Uh, it's an Anglican bishop named Usher, two S's, U-S-S-H-E-R, oh. who did a really great time study, and it's withstood the, all this time. Even to today, it's very good dates. Best date for Acts 28 is sometime... Hmm. Paul arrives in Rome around 60, 59. In about 61. The book of Acts published in about 62 or 3. So his first visit to Jerusalem, Acts 22, is in about 40 AD. Okay. When do you want to hop back into there? Yeah. I'm going to say 63 AD. The book is published. So, the the book of Acts is completed and distributed by 63 AD. Seven I didn't get years. you to 70 AD. Yeah, seven years prior to the ransacking of the temple, right? Uh, that's seven years prior to the destruction of the temple. Uh, this says, you shall have not gone through all the cities of Israel... Until the end, the Son of Man become, which they they're going to say is seventy A.D., and yet the gospel they're done. The gospel is done with the Jews. Acts twenty eight twenty eight. We're going to take it to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. They're totally done with Israel, right? So what could this mean then? If it's done by the time that he still hasn't come, then it isn't about that time. No, but what is it about then? Well, this is about the this is about the time of the fulfillment of the beginning. See what what. What the preterist fails to realize is the setting aside of Israel and God's economy. Let me let me just say that probably a, a good place to go is to the book of Hosea and to remind ourselves that uh, there's a lot of stuff here that is left unfulfilled because of the times of the Gentile and this space of grace that God promised would happen and opens up to us, and open up to actually to uh, Hosea. If you look at... Um, Talking about chapter 6? This is a passage you're familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember your father-in-law speaking on it not very long ago, if you remember. And here's the voice of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Come and let us return unto the Lord, chapter 6, verse 1. For he has torn, and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days, will he revive us? That means before two days, they need to be revived. Right? After two days, he'll revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Now, that gives the general septenary arrangement of the time of the Lord Jesus to the nation of Israel. As Peter told us, be mindful of this one thing. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And as Hosea was teaching prophetically to the nation of Israel, though they didn't understand the time, even he, the prophet, didn't understand the times. But that's because he didn't get to live to the ministry of the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter, also being a prophet, as an apostle, 
Now tells us how to understand these because things the, called these two days. It's the key to the understanding is that a day with the Lord is yeah. a thousand years, and a thousand years is, is a day. It opens up this prophecy to actually make some sense. And now it's Israel's going to be set aside for two thousand years, and then revived. And that's exactly what was going on there. So when he talks about them, you know, back in Matthew uh, ten and when, verse twenty-three, when he talks about them not making it through Israel, the cities of Israel, before he comes. Is he referring to a future day when they're going to take up the word of God, the word of God in Israel, and, and throughout the world? He actually is. Yeah, so the hard part is, like, when does it stop being directly to these 12 people and start being prophets? It's always the hard part is what manner of time the Spirit yeah. of Christ, which was in them, was speaking mm -hmm. about. That's always the the hardest part and the most difficult part of understanding Bible prophecy. See, that's always the most difficult part. So the preterist who says Jesus came back in 70 AD, I mean, how did he come back how? Who got caught up together with them in the clouds, so shall they ever be with the Lord? What was that? When, when, where, no account of that. There's no account in Scripture of that. There's uh -huh. just a, a, left, a promise left of that, and, and we're supposed to imagine the fulfillment? I think the result of that viewpoint is you live for Hopelessly. this world yeah. because there's no, blessed, this is it. There's no blessed hope. Yeah. Exactly. And you've had a lot of people with that belief trying to um, reform the world, right? Trying to like yeah, actually, God's kingdom. I have, you know, I actually haven't run across in my lifetime very many people that really believe that. They can kind of tell you what that means, but I don't actually know very many people believe it in the 70 ad thing yeah i think there's more people today that might believe jesus came back in 1844 like uh seventh day adventist belief oh i didn't know that i've met a few, i've met a couple that believe that he returned 70 ad and i would say that they sincerely believed it there was did he come bodily <sighs> did he come back and touch his feet on mount olivet like he said he would yeah, is, you men of you men of Israel, why stand you looking up to heaven? What I've found is that people with that belief tend to symbolize and spiritualize anything that would otherwise um, contradict that. And so you my, can't. My, my understanding is that they fail to take into account the scriptures. Actually, yeah. And as I was, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you there's certain linchpins to hold on to. to Navigate your way through time, right? One important element is the judgment seat of Christ. Mm -hmm. When did that happen to the preterist? And how do we miss it? How come we're not going to be there? Just kind of launching off that thought, could the judgment seat of Christ be an um, ongoing event? Well, Does it have to be a, a moment in time? I believe it does have start to start and continue. Well, it clearly, it clearly is the time of giving rewards. Right. It clearly is the time of resurrection. We shall all appear. Yeah, and you know, we'll receive according to what we've done in the body, good or evil. Yeah, but shall we all appear at the exact same time? Well, if we don't, then you have to allow that some people have already, that every dead Christian immediately rises from the dead and is rewarded and has his resurrection body. 
Or there's a point in time when it starts and then it, and then it continues onward from there. I explain how that would work. You mean different kind of sessions? Yeah, like I every hundred years or so. Well, no, it could just be a continual thing once it starts. Like the once gen- it's, but so the resurrection's going on right now. No, like it could still be future from now, but it could start at a set time and continue onward. Without resurrection? No, with resurrection. So that people are continually being raised then? Yeah. Okay, so my father rose from the dead? No. Well. Well, when was his judgment seat of Christ? In the future. When was the Apostle Paul's? In the future. When was James? The future. Everybody who's dead now would be future, but after it, it, it initiates. James died, you know, before 70 AD. No, I agree. <laughs> so I, I'm with did, you. Did no, I don't think already? he returned in the 70 AD. I'm not talking about 70 AD. Oh, okay. I'm just talking about the judgment seat of Christ as a concept, as a historical event. I'm not. I'm not even trying to okay, cast this. So the question the is, what AD. if it isn't a historical event? No, what if it is, but it's not like a moment in time. It's like a, it starts, and then from then on out, it keeps as going. people die, right? Then they Pe- rise. Then they rise, and they get their judgment right there. Okay, so when would that possibly have begun or begin? Hasn't begun yet. No. It would begin uh, probably at the Lord's uh, coming, at his initial coming. His apocalypse. No. No. His parousia. His parousia. And then it would continue through that. Because what about the people that die during that time? So there would be batches and batches of... So everybody that dies immediately rises from once it starts? Yeah. And people do continue to die after it starts. Right. Believers. Yeah. And by the way, are they Christians or we've we done a This is all Christians. So let's say it starts tomorrow afternoon. Okay. Jesus Perusia officially yeah. begins tomorrow the, afternoon. The dead in Christ rise were translated. Okay. Christ kicks off. Okay, who's left now with the gospel? Did God just turn to the Jews? Yeah, so the whole, you know, the seven-year period takes off. Oh, so the seven-year period takes off. Well, yeah. that now you've got the same judgment seat of Christ that you've always had. Well, I'm not thinking of it much Christians. different. I'm just thinking of it as a... That it's for Christians. Oh, it is for... Yeah, it's all, for... All Christians of all time. We all shall appear. When God turns back to Israel, there won't be any more Christians. Right. No more body of Christ. Right. But will there still be a judgment seat for the people that... Our believers the, there, during well, that Yeah, time. there is a judgment seat, and it's in Matthew 25 when Jesus comes back to the earth, and it's called the sheep-goat judgment. What if That's I'm what a, we refer to as. What if I'm a Gentile person? It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Right. Because the word Christ encompasses the whole body, the judgment seat of the anointed. What about, like, Abraham. Uh, that's a very good question. I don't believe he'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. No? No. So you think the all there is just all of this dispensation? Yes, I do believe that it is about this dispensation. I do. So where is it? Is he's not part of the first resurrection? The rapture and resurrection of the believers in the judgment seat of Christ is not the entire first resurrection. Hmm. It's not the whole first resurrection. There's a, the first resurrection applies to the Old Testament saints as well. The first resurrection began with Jesus Christ. Christ the first fruits. Right. Okay? We're included in the first fruits because we're in Christ. So Christ the first fruits, and then they that are Christ that is coming. 
Which coming is that? The Perusia? That's the actual apocalypsis. At the end of the... Yes. Day of Jacob's Just like trouble. Daniel. It says at the end of the book of Daniel, you will rise and stand in your lot. Okay. That's then. I think Daniel, Abraham, stand up at the same time. Jared. Jared? Yeah. Not Look. the judgment seat of Christ? No. Oh, Jared for Enoch's dad. Yes. That's not me. Not you. <laughs> Jared Enoch's father. Gotcha. You like him. Could have picked Enoch. Oh, he couldn't pick Enoch. Yeah, I was oh, afraid, why wouldn't I, I like what's not to, say to like? Enoch, open up a whole can of worms. What's not to like? Yeah. You know? I like the guy. Enoch's dad. Lived there a long is. time. Good man, mm -hmm. right? Believer in the mm -hmm. Lord Jesus Christ, but in a different dispensation. So my personal view, I'm not saying I have all the answers on that piece, but my personal view is that they that are Christ that is coming include a wide range of, you know, Moses, David, Daniel, Abraham, hmm. Abel. I have gone far enough back, right? Yeah. I'm still a little out in and out on it. On, on yeah, Adam. man, I thought that Christ is the first fruits, and then them that are His at His coming. I thought that was His coming for us, and that we are them that are His. Like we are, we are part of that. Understand them that are His. I never thought about it as. And that makes some sense. Yeah. But Christ, the first fruits. But I, then, it, where's their judgment seat? Like, where's Daniel's judgment seat? You know, then will he be evaluated according? Yeah, he to said his he'll work? stand in his lot. You know, like we will be judged for the works done in the flesh at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, right, the bema. Right. Where's Daniel's bema? When, where? What's it called? When the Lord Jesus returns. Well, we see his apocalypse. We don't see a judgment of believers there. Well, we see, and you know, we see a judgment of the nations, some of which are believers, but they're all alive. We see we the see judgment. A, of the we don't living. see a resurrection there. We see a resurrection there. Uh, we don't see a resurrection. No, we don't. No. So we see a resurrection at the end of the thousand years. That wouldn't yes, be at his coming. Be one, that's that's a different group. Yeah, that wouldn't be them at his coming. That wouldn't be them at his coming. So wouldn't you see a resurrection at the end of Jacob's trouble then? If that's what that's. I believe there to? is a resurrection at the end of Jacob's trouble. Huh. Yeah, hmm. I believe that's the you know the Old Testament resurrection is all about that. Like Daniel's. Yeah, I think that's all about that. Yeah, they look wow. upon him whom they have pierced. That is us for the living. Right. And there, right then, the resurrection of the, of the dead will happen. Actually, it's 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 the out where, resurrection of the dead. Where is that in the accounts, though, like of his return, of resurrection at the end of, like when he puts his foot down on Mount Olivet and... When he comes with in, the, in his glory with all of his angels, there's no count of resurrection there. No, those are in the Old Testament scriptures. There's resurrection in there. Hmm. That's the great hope of Israel. I mean, for example, I mean, look at Daniel there. What do you think of that? Uh, Daniel, Daniel 12. 12, was it 13? It's the end. Right before this book of Hosea that we just read, right? Mm -hmm. Go thy way till the end, for thou shalt rest. And stand in thy lot at the end of days. No, it could just be a generic end, like the end, just like the parousia is the generic coming. I think that could be the end of days. Well, this is the end of the days, all right? Yeah. 
I mean, that could refer to most likely it's the end of that thousand three hundred and thirty-five days. By the way, be careful. I'll ask you to describe what that means. Well, I think that's when the resurrection actually happens. By the way, that resurrection that we're talking about still part of the first resurrection, but later. You know, the harvest is 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 built out of uh, three components. It's built out of the har- the first fruits harvest. It's mm-hmm. built, and then the then the harvest, and then the gleanings. It's all three of those pieces, and there will be all three of those. And the main harvest is the main harvest. Well, including Daniel, mm-hmm. where he stands in his lot. So there what? he's assured of a reward. By the way, where says thou shalt rest, and stand in thy lot. Not only will he rest, but he'll stand in his lot. He gets a lot. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't mean his lot's going to be any good. I mean, well, probably not, he didn't it. say stand in your little. It's stand in your lot. <laughs> he gets his oh, portion. I think that's, his lot is his right. Portion. But it's I think you, by saying that his lot is a lot, I think that isn't that some creative license there. <laughs> it's his inheritance. A lot is your inheritance. Yeah, he's guaranteed an inheritance. Yes. And I'm with you. I think he, you know, judge faithful. Um, from what I read, greatly beloved, he gets a title like yeah. Abraham. No, he's a friend he's, of God, greatly beloved, quite faithful. From the well, he gets a title, and he gets a lot, and he gets a lot, not just a little. <laughs>